Hi, this is Timothy Pig, and I want to welcome you to Text Driven Podcast, a podcast put out by the Ministry of Fellowship Church in Southwest Florida. Text Driven Podcast exists to equip you to know God and make Him known through text driven preaching and practice. To learn more about Fellowship Church, visit our website, fellowshipchurch.co. In this episode of Text Driven Podcast, we're going to continue looking at Dave Harvey's book, When Sinners Say I Do. This is your first time listening. We've been, over the last several episodes, walking through this book, really trying to uncover how we can, as Christians, live uh, in a marriage that is text-driven. Uh, we want every part of our marriage marriages to be text-driven. We want our lives to reflect uh, the glory of God. And how do we know how to do that? We know how to do that through the Word of God. So I'd encourage you, if you do not own Dave Harvey's book, When Sinners Say I Do, go on to Amazon, get it at Barnes & Noble, go to any of your local retailers and, and pick up a copy of this book. It'll be a practical resource for you in your own marriage, but will also help you as you minister to other families and other couples as well as the Lord gives you uh, wisdom and an opportunity to do so. In this episode, we're going to be looking at uh, his chapter 7, where he entitles this chapter, The Surgeon, the Scalpel, and the Spouse in Sin. The Surgeon, the Scalpel, and the Spouse in Sin. What he does in the opening pages of this chapter is he takes us back in Israel's history to really one of its greatest kings, if not the greatest king that it ever had. He takes us back all the way to King David. To set the setting for us of what he deals with in the book, he deals with the great fall, the great sin of King David. David, as we know, had the title, a man after God's own heart. He was a man who was revered um, by his peers. He was a man who uh, wrote many of the Psalms that we have in our Bible. And he was, he was a man of uh, repentance, is what we're going to see here in just a little bit. And we know that one day David kind of became full of himself. He was all about um, his kingdom, and he was not relying on the responsibilities, not doing the responsibilities that were assigned to him as king, and particularly the protection of uh, the nation of Israel. So he stayed home when his army was out on the battlefield. And it was one evening, he went up on the top of his roof of his palace, and he saw a beautiful woman named Bathsheba. And she was bathing, and he called for her, even though he was told that that is the woman of Uriah, the Hittite. But instead, he utilized his uh, influence and utilized his uh, power, and he called her uh, into his chambers, and he laid with her. And then shortly thereafter, Bathsheba sent words to him that sent a uh, chilling uh, nature up his spine of him being caught in his sin, and she said that she was pregnant and with child. It was at that moment that David did everything he could to cover up his sin. David went and he had Uriah brought off the battlefield and tried to get him drunk so that he would lay with his wife so that he could cover up his sin. Uh, ultimately, Uriah had more character drunk than David had sober as he was steeped in his sexual immorality. 
And what ended up occurring was David sent Uriah back onto the battlefield and he had Uriah murdered as he put Uriah on the front lines. Instead of being a commander uh, leading out, he put him on the front lines and Uriah was killed and David took Bathsheba to be his wife. And then a tragic thing happened in the birth of their child. Their child died. And David found himself in great distress, in great agony over the death of his child with Bathsheba. And then David was confronted, and this is what I want us to focus on today. David was confronted by a prophet named Nathan. And in your book, the Bible describes Nathan's responsibility. The Bible describes on page 117... God had given to Nathan a ministry in that moment. He was a sinner called to help another sinner become reconciled to God. The premise of Harvey's book is when sinners say, I do. You and your wife are both sinners. And though we are sinners in our marriages, we still have the responsibility to help our spouse who is also a sinner to be reconciled to God. And he goes on and he tells us uh, how in the first part of the book that we've been walking through, he teaches us about God's mercy and his forgiveness. But now he begins the discussion of biblical reconciliation. How do you approach your spouse who is in sin? How do you as a sinner uh, are able to help your spouse to be reconciled unto God. Well, the way that that happens is through following the principles of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So if you do have a Bible, I encourage you to go ahead and grab it as we look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We need to understand that God has given to you and me the responsibility of reconciliation. He's told us to teach this. He's told us to, to call uh, our fellow believers to this. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, listen to what it says. For now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. This is verse 16. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. I want you to notice how in verse 16 it says, Do not regard anyone according to the flesh. One of the first principles you need to understand when you go and confront sin is your confrontation of sin is not to do so in a means of pointing out wrong for the sake of your superiority. Uh, what you're dealing with in pointing out sin is to be more of a surgeon with a scalpel. Uh, you're delicately cutting that sin and exposing it so that there can be the healing grace and mercy of God. Oftentimes when sin is exposed, it is done more like a lumberjack with an axe chopping down trees. That is a, a, an approach that is going to most likely cause more harm and distress in the marriage than it will cause reconciliation and healing from the grace and the mercy of God. So Paul reminds us that we should regard no one according to the flesh, specifically those who are a new creation and who are in Christ. 
Because the reason for that is the old has passed away. And then in verse 18, he tells us in 2 Corinthians 5, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. I think one of the most important things we need to do in our marriages when we point out sin in the life of our spouse is to recognize, first off, that we too are sinners. And if we would adopt what Paul said in, to Timothy, he is the chief of sinners, of which he is the foremost of sinners. Uh, we have to fight against the superiority complex. We have to fight against the uh, holier-than-thou complex, that we are pointing out sin in our spouse because we want it to reflect how good we are. We have to make sure that we are not like the religious leader at the temple, but we're more like the publican at the temple before we confront sin. See, if we're like the religious person at the temple, we are shouting out and thinking that we are not like our spouse who's so steeped in sin. But instead, we need to be more like the publican, more like the tax collector who recognizes how wretched of a person he is and how desperately he needs the grace of of God. So one of the things we do is we don't re see the person in their flesh. We understand that we are to have a delicate scalpel in our hand exposing sin so we can cut it out so the healing grace and mercy of God comes in. But we also understand that our approach to it is equally as a broken sinner who is in need of God's grace every single day. And he goes on and he talks about how God has given us this ministry of reconciliation. And he defines reconciliation, verse 19, that is, In Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespass against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. There's a wonderful principle in that. When we point out sin, we need to make sure that in the manner that we point it out, we do not do so in a way that is counting that against them. And here's what I mean by that. Uh, once the sin has been pointed out and dealt with, uh, it is not your responsibility to labor on that for an extended period of time and hold that sin over the head of your spouse. Uh, that is not forgiveness. That does not bring the healing and the mercy of God. All that does is fester additional sin in your heart and fester additional uh, uh, need for reconciliation in your life. So this is what he's saying. We need to understand that uh, we do not count their trespass against them, but we have been entrusted with the message of reconciliation. And the principle that he's teaching us here is that reconciliation is not something that we come up with. It is not something that we possess. It is a message that has been given to us. It is the message of the gospel. It is the message of Christ. It is not our message. It's his message. Therefore, when we are pointing out sin, we are speaking like Nathan the prophet. Understand the role of a prophet. The prophet's job was not to share his own opinions. The prophet's job was not even to share his own concepts, his own ideas. No, the prophet's job was to speak in a thus says the Lord manner. He was God's mouthpiece. 
So when you are confronting sin in your spouse's life, you don't need to do so from a place of, look, I have all the answers. But instead, what you need to do is guide your spouse to the truthfulness of the Word of God and expose the gospel through the scriptures to your spouse. It is God's message of reconciliation that he has entrusted to us, but we do not have the authority to co-opt it for our own use and use it however we desire. And then in verse 20, it gives us in 2 Corinthians 5, uh, more of our mission. It says, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal. There's that language again of it being his message, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of God, not on behalf of ourselves, but on behalf of God, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Uh, it, it is very important to make sure that in the message of reconciliation, that you are gentle, that you are full of grace, you are full of mercy, you are full of love, you are full of the characteristics of God that you also so desperately need. Remember, be more of a surgeon, skillful with the scalpel of God's word, as you seek to expose sin, cut it out so that the healing, grace, mercy of God can heal up the wounds that sin will leave behind. That's an important principle for being text-driven in your marriage. I want to thank you for listening to this episode of Text Driven Podcast. Uh, for more information about Fellowship Church, I encourage you to visit our website, www.fellowshipchurch.co, where you can find resources just like this on our church website. If you're ever in the Southwest Florida area, we would love to have you visit one of our worship services. Uh, you can find all the information, dates, times, locations of all the events that we have going on at our church. We hope that you will come by and join us for one of our worship services as we seek to live a text-driven life. Thanks for listening.